Hello, 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 hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tuesday, March 3rd. That's right. It's the first week of March, believe it or not. And we're so glad you're here. Uh, I'm Amy Johnson, your host here at From the Press Box and the lead correspondent at the AHL Report. And I'm joined each and every week by the guy I could not do this show without hands down, uh, the best in the land, our editor-in-chief and founder at Rocket Sports Media, Rick Stevens. Well, you are right. It is um, uh, March the 3rd. It is our first episode of March, and March means that it's the last full month of the regular season, whether for the AHL, NHL, last full Mm -hmm. month of the regular season. So we're this is going to be uh, uh, our time to watch the, the playoff contenders and those that kind of fall out of the running. Absolutely. And uh, in fact, uh, you know, the playoff race is certainly heating up uh, on at all levels. Um, we've, we've made it through trade deadline day. Yesterday was the AHL's trade deadline day. Uh, it was a pretty, actually a fairly quiet day yesterday. There was, uh, only a couple of transactions, really. Uh, so now it's just all eyes forward on the Calder Cup playoffs and what needs to happen over the course of the next six weeks for the AHL for teams to qualify. Uh, so we are going to talk a little bit about that today as the Laval Rocket um, continues their roller coaster up and down, win some, lose some, lose some, lose some, win some, win some. We'll tell you uh, which end of that spectrum they they were at this during this last week, as well as talk a little bit about what implications there are for the playoffs for them, um, and uh, some interesting roster. Ch- I feel like there's interesting roster changes every week. We've got two uh, specifically to talk about this week: uh, one Keith Kincaid and a prospect who's going to be making an appearance soon. Uh, and then in our second segment, we're going to go around the AHL. Talk a little bit about the player of the week, the players of the month for the month of February. Um, Give you some news uh, regarding uh, AHL franchises for next year. Um, And we also want to talk just briefly about uh, this. I I would like the scary player, coach, staff, et cetera, injuries to stop for the season, no matter what the league, because I feel like there's been a lot of them this year. uh, And there was another one uh, last week that we just want to briefly mention. And then, of course, in our third segment, we go beyond the AHL, um, talking a little bit about NCAA hockey as the regular season for NCAA winds down. uh, And now you're looking at each each conference's – championship runs will happen and all of that of course then leads up to uh, the beginning of the road to the frozen four tournament Uh, and so those regional um, quarterfinal regional matches will be taking place at the end of the month so we'll talk just briefly about that as that starts to shape up and and tell you about a fun feature um, about Penn State that you can find at Rocket Sports Media Uh, Rick is back with another Trois Rivières update for us in that third segment. And of course, we're going to let you know what to expect from our coverage for this week because there's always lots of hockey to talk about. And happy, happy National Soup, Soup It Forward Day. National what? It is 
uh, you like to keep, I know you in particular, you like to keep a special eye on the national days and it is uh-huh. national soup it forward day. That is soup, um, it? soup it forward. Yes. So make a pot of soup and deliver it to um, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, um, uh, your favorite hockey player, your, I don't okay. know, whoever it is. It's Soup It Forward Day. And, and given that it's Soup It Forward Day, um, there is a hockey connection, of course. There is the Superman say, of, <laughs> of hockey for the Toronto say, Maple Leafs. Is, is there a player from Toronto that has something to do with his day? <laughs> well, he just signed a um, a brand new deal, that being Mikhaev, and and uh, brand new deal with Campbell's Soup uh, to be uh, their wow. spokesperson uh, this past week. I'm sure the new tro- uh, Toronto's um, nutritionist is thrilled. <laughs> well, it, I just think it's it's fabulous that he turned it is. Uh, just uh, you know in his his limited English when he arrived, uh, it turned you know uh, an I like soup comment mm-hmm. something he thought was perfectly normal that 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 kind of blew up on social media. He's now turned that into uh, kind of an endorsement deal. He likes soup. Um, what can what can he say? Absolutely. As far as souping it forward, um, like if I'm going to go to the effort to make soup, I'm sorry, folks, but I'm eating it. <laughs> my, I'll soup it forward to my husband. He'll be the, <laughs> he'll he'll be the benefactor on uh, soup it forward day, I think. And um, with 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 current global current events, I don't think I want anybody else making me any soup. Bring you soup? No, no, yeah. no. I'm good. I'm good. Don't share utensils. Don't share uh, no. cups, and don't share soup. All right. No. No bat soup. No. None of. <laughs> none of it. <laughs> okay, National I... Soup Day till next year, and uh, we'll just focus on the all the different cherry pie days during the year. Well, that's it. Could be it. Could just be National Soup Day. But like, why do I have to give my soup away? Yeah, I think that's a different. That's a different day completely. Oh, for goodness sake! Well, all right. I'll let it slide. It's been a day. Let me tell you, it's been a week. <laughs> so we're. I'm gonna. Just, I'm gonna try to to not have any rantiness today. Not much to. There's a couple of listeners who whose ears perk up as soon as I say the word rant, but I'm going to, I'm going to avoid that today if I can. Uh, So let's start with the Laval rocket. Um, Brief overview. What did, what did they do last week? Uh, We had mentioned last week that they had put together a couple of wins at home. Finally broke that long uh, five or six game losing streak that they were on. Great. Uh, the big test was going to be, could they carry that forward uh, into their next road trip, which started next week? And the answer was yes. Uh, they went to Belleville last Wednesday uh, in their, I think, seven prior meetings with Belleville. They had only beaten them once. Uh, so they managed to notch their second win against their uh, divisional rivals um, on Wednesday night, uh, beating Belleville 4-1, to one, actually. Belleville did not um, – now, two of those were empty net goals. I should preface that by saying 
they didn't give them a four to one drubbing. Uh, it was a it was a very tightly played game um, until the last mm, forty five seconds. Two empty net goals right in a row will kind of inflate that score a little bit. So uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a dominant win, but they did get a win uh, versus Belleville. They then went to Rochester on Friday night. Here they dropped that game, uh, four to two, and it was quite honestly, it was a game that they should have won. Uh, they outplayed Rochester uh, quite a bit um, and ended up just giving up two goals. It was it was tied two two third period, and they gave up two goals late in the uh, third period. In fact, the the fourth goal was scored with just seven seconds left uh, in the game. That empty netter. Um, so they did drop that one. Um, it was a it was a really odd game. Um, there was a uh, there was a penalty shot. There was a match penalty. Kevin Porter was tossed for um, a big hit that he put on Jake Lucchini, um, which Lucchini ended up being okay. He got up pretty slowly, but he was okay. Kevin Porter, as a result, though, did, did get two, uh, a two-game suspension for illegal check to the head of an opponent. Um, so he already missed uh, Saturday's game for Rochester, and he'll miss one more game as well. Um, it was just left and right it was just a weird game um all sorts of uh, very back and forth pretty decent chances at either end um primo getting starts again in both of those and then finally saturday night in utica um it was decided that michael mcniven would get his second start of the in the ahl this season uh and utica is is one of those teams that it's it's you never really know what Laval's going to do uh, when you, uh, particularly when you're playing in Utica. And this was probably one of the better games I've seen them play. Utica looked like a shadow of themselves, to be quite honest. Uh, they 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 couldn't solve Laval's forecheck at all, uh, and Laval had a very decisive five to two win, uh, and McNevin looked pretty decent uh, in net. So, uh, all in all. Uh, Four out of six points last week uh, lines them up pretty decently as they head to the last place team in the North Division this week for a back-to-back, and that's the Cleveland Monsters. So, Rick, it was um, it was a pretty it was a you know the effort was there and and they they managed to get some finish and uh, complete it in in two of the three games last week. Well, we saw our, our friend Brent, Ben Burnell, uh, who's a beat reporter covering Utica. Uh, was kind of shaking his head saying, um, I don't know w- what team that was out there, uh, but mm-hmm. that wasn't the, the Utica Comets. And, uh, and, and, and so um, uh, helpful for Lavelle and, and, uh, um, and in their uh, chase of a, a playoff spot, um, uh, injuries and, and illnesses have been um, an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned this morning, uh, from the folks at 91.9 and, and uh, Chris G passed this on was that Ryan Paling will not be on the trip to Cleveland uh, doing due to his injury. Um, yes, Barry Kotkaniemi, this is a lingering flu. He's still questionable. Um, we know that, that he's missed some time. Um, there is. He some, missed, uh, yeah. He missed two games last week. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, there was uh, we're going to talk about uh, Yessi Yelonen, and and um, there is uh, some in, lingering injuries there that are going to have to be looked at before he's cleared to play. Um, so um, there's 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 that dynamic in effect. Plus, as you said, passing the the trade deadline, um, there's some new players in, different players out, uh, with with Pekka, Veroni, and Barber being traded. And that mostly being due to that, there's a lot of uh, AHL firepower there um, that uh, has uh, uh, has been deleted from the the uh, Rocket lineup, and uh, younger players being uh, younger players and and um, some um, um, I, I guess bottom six players being moved up to to try and fill in those gaps. So um, it's it's an interesting dynamic that's uh, unfolding now with the, the Laval Rocket. It is, and uh, to their credit, able to get two of the three wins last week despite all of that. Um, you mentioned. You know, we talked, we did talk at length last week about Veroni and Barber and Pekka uh, leaving the organization. Uh, interestingly, this week, um, the the sentiment coming from Coach Bouchard, uh, as well as Laurent Alphan and uh, a couple of other players, kind of hinting around at the same thing that oh, that it's just been such a there's just such a big change in the locker room. It's just uh, it's the the mood has just been lifted so much and without naming any names, but obviously they're pointing to the three veterans that got shipped off. Um, okay. I like, I understand if there was some discontent with Veroni and Barber and or Pekka regarding, you know, discussions when they came on, how much they were going to, you know, what kind of ice time they were going to get, where they were going to play in the lineup, top six, that kind of thing, you know, things that they're accustomed to. So maybe there was some discontent there once all of the focus started to get put on the prospects and they started to get bumped up the line. The veterans started to go down the lineup. Um, But I really find it hard to believe that three professional hockey players could be the sum all of malcontent in your dressing room and just bring everybody down so much. And that with them gone, now they're able to just feel good about themselves and everybody can start winning. I'm sorry. I call BS on that. I call that something that the coach said, obviously I don't know that I'm not in the room, but I would bet that the coach said that. And then everyone else who wants to suck up to the coach is going to parrot the same thing. Um, I would bet there's another side to that story that, of course, isn't being reported. Listen, those three guys are are um, veterans of the AHL, veteran pro players. Um, they have, as we mentioned last week, they've each of them has played for um, very experienced coaches, whether it's Troy Mann or Scott Gordon or or Benoit Gruel. Um, and, um, they haven't been carrying this, this label around with them that, that they are the type that disturbed the locker room. Um, so it's, it's kind of odd that, that, that that's, those accusations are being made and, and, and Laurent Dauphin, um, listen, where else is he going to be playing top six minutes? Um, Mm. so he's, he's, 
he's he's not a he's not a prospect that's that's going anywhere his skating is is uh, certainly sub average and and uh um m- most likely belongs at at the bottom of your your uh, lineup um and so the the fact that he's getting a chance um regularly he's he's going to be um you know, those are the kinds of openings with those players leaving that that is provided an opportunity for him. He's that that beer league kind of player that that um, not not my words uh, that uh, Joe Bouchard has mentioned that he likes to coach. Uh, he likes those kind of players with limited ability that have fealty to him. Um, the ECHL type players, the former Armada type players uh, that owe him something for that owe the coach something um, for, uh, you know, their position in the lineup. Um, the, the, the issue is okay. If that's what Joel Bouchard, he, that's what he demanded in junior, but, but for, to, to teach at the pro- professional level and, and acknowledge he has very, very little experience. Uh, and there's no one with any um, experience, pro experience on that bench to help guide uh, any of the three of them. Um, that they can benefit from, uh, he has to change his junior ways. Um, if he wants to go further, um, there's no way, you know, you have to be able to incorporate. Yes. You prefer to deal with a certain, um, profile of a player, but you have to be able to, uh, as a coach, as a pro level coach, um, you know, put the, put your players in the best, way best environment to succeed and also maximize their their skills and talents um and and if you have difficult and and that's going to require a pro coach to deal with players um as individuals and deal with them differently than maybe some of the other players and if you're having difficulty with that if you're going to coach one way if you're going to coach the same way you coached in junior um, it's not going to work on the pro level. And if it's not working at this level, um, we know that Joe Bouchard has aspirations of being a head coach or GM in the NHL. It's certainly not going to work at the, the higher levels unless he changes his approach and adapts and, and figures out how to take those, those, those veterans, those players who've, who've uh, got um, uh, some experience and incorporate them into um, his lineup and, and those three individuals could have been providing offense or uh, could have been uh, offering some mentorship to uh, the younger prospects. And I think I, I agree with everything you said there. And, and particularly, you know, if Joel Bouchard has NHL aspirations, the biggest thing I think that Joel Bouchard needs to learn is that his, his style isn't necessarily going to fit every player. And I'm sure he gets that. Maybe he doesn't care. <laughs> Maybe it's it's my way or the highway, which, uh, it, you know, the indication in the last year and a half, almost two seasons, has, has been that. But again, as you kind of piggybacking off of what you just said, this is not junior hockey. These are not 15-year-old kids who you can just kind of get in their face be really blunt with them and say, this is how it's going to be. And they say, okay, yes, coach. This is not that you are now coaching 
men. Some of them are very young and impressionable and are willing to fall into line no matter what because they want to be successful. Okay. Some of them are getting an opportunity at the AHL level when they've played at lower levels in pro hockey, say the ECHL or, or something like that. And again, they're going to they're gonna toe the line and they're going to fall into place. The biggest difference now that you're coaching in the AHL is that you have veteran players and older players, established players that you need to deal with. Those players are going to take everything you say at face value and just nod their head up and down and say, yes, coach, yes, coach, yes, coach. Sure. Players need to buy into what a coach is selling. And every coach has their own personality, their own way of running their team, their own way of running their practices. I respect that. That's, I mean, coaching has to be individualistic. However, and so, yes, some of the onus is on the player to figure out a way to adapt when they have a new coach or a coach that coaches in a style that they're not accustomed to. However, the coach needs to do the same thing. The coach needs to understand that just ramming his methods and his philosophies down the throats of his entire team in the same way is not going to be effective across the board. He needs to understand that he has a room full of different ages, different experience. You know, at junior, they're all cookie cutter, essentially. Some, I mean, their, their skill levels and their talent and the talent and abilities are different, but they're all at the same stage of their hockey career. Now they're not. You've got different ages, different experience levels, different league experience, uh, you know, different aspirations, different perspectives. All of that comes together and forms personalities that aren't always going to be open and receptive of a coach's approach. And so it's a coach's job to be able to coach each individual player slightly differently and know how to talk to each one a little bit differently in a way that fits that individual person. And I, from, from our standpoint, I think that's a big hurdle that Joel Bouchard has not figured out how to, how to conquer yet. And if he can't do it at the AHL level, he'll never be able to do it at the NHL level. And I think that's part of the breakdown with guys like Phil Veroni, Riley Barber, perhaps Matthew Pekka as well. Uh, if those guys weren't happy with how they were being used, there had to have been ways to actually support them through that and figure out how to make everybody happy. It didn't have to be that, oh, they were just this black, grumpy, grumbling cloud in the room that everybody just couldn't wait to get rid of. Um, and I just think, I think that needs to improve. Otherwise, you're going to have this year after year with Joel Bouchard, that his young guys and the guys that used to play with him with the Armada and the guys that are call-ups from the ECHL are all going to fall in the line with him, lockstep but he's going to butt heads with his veterans if things don't change. I, can, I predict this pattern repeating every year if that end of his coaching doesn't change. And, and let's, let's admit that it isn't always uh, sunshine and lollipops with the, the prospects either because the, no. the focus should be on, on the prospects, and, and that's, that's fine. But um, 
we remember Ryan Paling. Um, you know, Ryan Paling took his demotion to uh, to Laval really hard at the beginning of the season, and, and there yeah. didn't seem to be um, a lot of uh, support there and understanding. And um, it was kind of uh, you know, players better than you have been demoted, so so get over it. And it took Ryan Paling a long time to get over it. Um, and, and plus the fact that he was being played out of position and, and played on the third line and not being trusted, um, to, to take all the face-offs and, and because Bouchard wanted Lynch in there. And I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, of, of issues there. So it's not as if the prospects have, have an instant connection with this coach who has experience dealing with young players either, um, it's 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 an adjustment and um uh yes as you said they have to fall into line but i i don't think i don't i don't think that uh yes there are those who are timid and, and fall into line but it seems to be those kind of in between kind of players those those uh prospects by age kind of thing rather than talent those mm-hmm. those ECHL players those 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 in between kind of players that are most likely to get along well with with his um not not so much his his coaching methods but his his attitude his interpersonal skills right i agree um you know and hey kudos to Riley Barber Phil Veroni, they're with Wilkes-Barre now. Uh, Barber, I think in five or six games played, already has two goals and two assists. Uh, they were playing together uh, on the first line for Wilkes-Barre uh, over the weekend. I think they were on the second line the second night. Um, so, you know, they're getting they're getting their due. I'm sure they're pleased with their relocation as well. Um, just saying this more as a, a warning sign of, Hey, you know, <laughs> fans want to see Laval be successful. They want to see their prospects be successful. They want to see prospects develop properly. Um, but I think people just need to remember that the coaching staff also has some development to do uh, because before last year, three of them had never coached pro hockey before. They had coached 15-year-olds. In junior, that's not to knock junior hockey. I mean, junior hockey is a is a very important league, but let's not kid ourselves that coaching junior is the same as coaching pro hockey. Um, it's not. And, so, and one see, hadn't coached at all; hadn't, hadn't coached a game. Well, that's true. Junior, I mean, pro, anything, nothing. He had a cup of coffee in retirement from being a player and, and already was on a plane to Laval um, to take a coaching position. Um, so, yeah, I just – I think there needs to be some development behind the bench as well. Um, as as Rick has said a few times, he had hoped at the end of last season that, that there would have been some introspection amongst that coaching staff over the summer to say, okay – that was our first season. Uh, these are the things that we learned that we need to work on and that we would have seen some of those areas improve this year. And unfortunately they haven't. In fact, they've kind of doubled down on some of them. Um, so we'll see how long that trend continues. Um, speaking of, of players who probably weren't <laughs> having a great time in Laval, um, 
there's no longer a three goaltender rotation happening in in the Habs American League affiliate. Uh, and but that's not that's only because um, Keith Kincaid uh, just loaned him off to Charlotte. Uh, so Keith Kincaid, um, this was after the trade deadline, so it's not like a trade has been made, but it is uh, admissible for a team to loan one AHL player to another AHL team. And so um, as a result of all of the goaltending debacle that Carolina and Charlotte went through a week ago, uh, Charlotte was in the market for a goaltender. And um, Rick, I think you were the one that when that happened said, Gee, Montreal's got a few extra that they could spare. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, sure enough, uh, the Canadians have loaned Keith Kincaid to Charlotte. So off he goes. And he's, uh, as I said on Twitter when it happened, and so endeth a journey which the Habs should never have embarked upon this past summer. That could not have been a, that signing could not have been a bigger failure and a more apropos ending to it to, than him ending up playing for an AHL team that's not affiliated with the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, I feel bad. I almost feel badly for Keith Kincaid. What a fall from grace! You sign an NHL deal over the summer, and by by March, you're playing in the American League for a different organization. It, it was it it was um, a poor signing. It was a very expensive signing. Even if he had uh, played um, in the um, NHL, it, it was it was a pretty rich contract, um, relatively speaking, uh, for a, a a backup of his capabilities, and particularly coming off a terrible season. Uh, the year before, but everybody, you know, we, we were we were told mm-hmm. that was all an aberration. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, you know, Keith himself said he was um, going to start 25 to 30 games um, and take a, a huge burden off of Carey Price because Carey Price had started too many games the season before. And, and as we've seen, Carey Price uh, this year is, is leading in turn, leading the NHL in terms of, of, um, uh, starts in terms of minutes played, in terms of shots, uh, in terms of saves. Um, so Keith Kincaid did did none of that, um, and it's just uh, one problem after another with with um, the backup situation. And as I tweeted this past uh, weekend, now that Keith has been uh, loaned out and moved on, um, the Canadians are left with a situation that they should have had at the start of the season. And that is mm-hmm. acting as a backup to Carey Price and McNiven and Primo splitting the duties in uh, Lavelle. That's how it, and, and let's not forget about uh, uh, Connor Lacouve waiting in the wings in the ECHL also oh, signed yes. to a, to a contract. So there was no reason for um, Kincaid and particularly given the, the direction that his career was going in and, and uh, um, he, you know, um, uh, tough that he had to play in the, uh, the AHL, but he, he, uh, you know, got an awful lot of money for having to, to mm-hmm. do that. Um, I was a bit surprised that uh, Carolina didn't take advantage of, of some of the depth that uh, the, the Canadians have and, and, and um, 
engineer a trade for um, uh, the the trade deadline. But then you hear that um, uh, Mark Bergevin was trying to bring in a goaltender himself on the trade deadline, which kind of blew my mind. And and because uh, he said he was, you know, he still had um, aspirations of being in the playoffs. So his team being in the playoffs. So. Uh, perhaps uh, Carolina reached out and uh, um, and something was was going to be um, um, uh, finalized uh, on the trade deadline, but uh, mm-hmm. it was only a few days later that it when it was very clear and obvious that the Canadians were out of the the playoffs that they arranged this this loan ag- agreement. Um, but the Canadians are still on the hook for. Um, Keith Kincaid's salary and of course um, uh, we'll see what happens uh, going forward Um, the loan is for the rest the remainder of the season Joel Bouchard Mm -hmm. said the expectation is that Kincaid wouldn't be coming back unless he said there is a um, Laval can always uh, recall them if they recall him if they run into a goaltending situation Um, but for now um, it's uh, this loan arrangement is for the, the rest of the season. Um, and we'll see what happens and, and what the workload is. Um, Morazic, who knows when he'll be back, if it's a couple of weeks or longer. Um, so, so if he comes back and Nadelkovich or Forsberg, uh, likely Forsberg goes to uh, back to Charlotte, whether they'll um, then have uh, extra people, we'll, we'll see. Um, but right now, Keith Kincaid is uh, loaned to the Charlotte Checkers and playing games for the Charlotte Checkers. Imagine that. And I did like, as you tweeted the other night, there you have a tandem of, of Price and Lindgren in the NHL, Primo and McNiven in the AHL, as it should be, as this podcast repeatedly said over and over for the last, I don't know, two years, <laughs> particularly this summer when uh, when Keith Kincaid was signed and even prior to him being signed when we assumed that that was how it was going to be. So we finally got our wish. Now, if only if only Claude Julian could actually rest Carey Price in a reasonable manner. <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking, I know. So you've got all of this. Yes, you have some good stories in there because, okay, Laval's won some games. But you've got all of this other turmoil going on, and um, and we'll we'll briefly, just very briefly, uh, at the end of this segment, uh, just touch on Mark Bergevin's interview that he did with La Presse this week. But in the middle of that, you need... I think as you like to call them, Rick, a new bright shining object. And it's just, hmm, it's curious how in the midst of all of this doom and gloom and not uplifting news and uh, things are are good, they're not good, we don't know, between the Habs and the, and the Laval Rocket. Oh, well, you know what? Yesi Yolonen's season is finishing up in Europe. Um, and he's decided, you know what? Um, yeah, Laval wants to sign me to an AHL contract for the rest of the season, so I think I'll go ahead and do that. So in comes shiny new prospect, Yessi 
Yelonen and every oh my goodness you would have thought everyone hit the lottery on the same day you would have thought um and I'm hey I'm thrilled to see yes alone and Rick I know that you you were really impressed with him at development camp uh so I'm excited to see what he's going to bring but this is I mean if people can't see that it's just one little look no look over here Look! Look! Look at the pretty object. It's over here, isn't it pretty? Look at this. Um, I feel like this is just like part and parcel for the, the Canadians organization. Um, keeping in mind too that Yelonen plays in Europe, so yes, he's talented. Yes, he's skilled. Yes, there will be a transitional period. He has to get accustomed to smaller ice. Um, He's going to have to get accustomed to the style of, of the AHL game, which is different than the European game. Uh, and as Rick alluded to towards the beginning of this segment, uh, he just arrived, I believe, yesterday in Montreal. Uh, according to Anthony Marcotte, he has a lingering minor injury. Um, and so they're going to take a look at that. He still has to pass his medicals uh, to be cleared to play. So it is not certain yet that he's going to go on the road trip to Cleveland this week. Um, so don't get too excited yet. Um, but Rick, what, what, what are your thoughts on Yelonen coming? You, great player. Uh, excited to see what he can do, particularly going into to next year when he should be a, a permanent fixture in Laval. Um, but what do you think of the timing? What do you think of, of him being here now and, and what he'll do for this team? Well, he's he's an interesting prospect. Um, Twenty years old, uh, right winger. Um, not great size, six one one seventy five. Um, and but he's been playing. Um, yeah, he was taken um, in the second round, thirty fifth overall in twenty eighteen, um, by the Canadians. And um, he's played two years now uh, with the Pelicans. Um, you know, he's playing against men. Um, um, not kind of un, it, it both uh, seasons kind of uh, a mirror mirror each other in terms of production. Uh, twenty seven points in in fifty three games last year. Twenty two points, a little bit less uh, this year in fifty three games. Uh, Twelve goals, ten assists, equally kind of uh, contributing to um, as as um, uh, with goals and as a playmaker. Not on a great team, so um, he was a minus 20 uh, this season for the Pelicans. Um, but when I saw him at development camp, like if we think back to, to development camp, Ryan Paling just looked like he didn't belong. He was head and shoulders yeah. above everybody at development camp. He was uh, dominant. Um, I would say at the next level or the, uh, was, was Jesse Yelonen and, and – um, He's an incredible skater. He's just beautiful to watch, a uh, beautiful skater uh, to watch. Um, but, you know, uh, graceful, but also um, he has pretty explosive acceleration. And, and so um, he's he, that's going to be noticeable um, in the AHL where, um, you know, there's, gonna, there's a, a pretty wide variety of what you see as far as, as skating goes. Um, in that kind of finish mold, he's going to, he's a very good, uh, on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, but he can take that, 
that uh, defensive play that he makes and turns it up ice with using his speed. Uh, so he's very good in transition. He's got a um, real strong wrist shot. Um, maybe he doesn't use um, uh, as often, but he's been, I mean, the, the, the knock against him um, has been that um, he's been a bit of a perimeter player. And um, you know, when, when he comes to the AHL, you're going to want to see that uh, him work on that. Um, he was signed under um, a standard player contract, standard AHL player contract. So he's not mm-hmm. eating into his ELC or anything like that. Um, so it's kind of a, a preview and, and gives him um, um, a few games to, to get up to speed uh, in the differences uh, between North American hockey and, and uh, in Europe where he was playing. Well, I, you know, as I said, fans are very excited about it. And, and hey, you know, as, as we kind of said with uh, the Kovalchuk signing, it, it's, great for, it's great for fans to have a player to be excited about. And while Kovalchuk was with the Canadians, he was fun to watch. He did have kind of a, an infectious energy. Um, and, and it was something that fans latched onto that was a, they, they, it was a positive thing for them. Um, if Yessi Yelonen coming over now makes Laval fans happy, that's great. And, and I think it's good that he'll get a little bit of a taste of, of how things work on uh, this side of the ocean uh, on a regular basis in preparation for next year. I'm always just that. Yes, I know I'm cynical and, and those kinds of things. I just always put up the caution signs. Don't expect too much too soon and don't have him come and put the weight of, we need to make the playoffs on his shoulders. You have to find a way to incorporate him into the team dynamic and make him a strong piece of the puzzle. But the, the puzzle the puzzle doesn't depend on him and him alone. Um, so I always have those, you know, words of caution, move slowly, be patient. <laughs> Remember development takes time. Yeah. I think when, when fans, um, you know, he is one of the Canadians top prospects. He does come mm-hmm. um, with a, you know, a, a gold medal from the world juniors last January um, around his neck. So there, there is those expectations, but he's not, He's not going to give you that um, that offensive punch right away. Um, he, he's he. It's just not. It's just not his game. Um, as far as him adapting to um, the North American ice, I, I mean, his he has those bloodlines. He has uh, his dad uh, was drafted by the the Winnipeg Jets. His dad played for Phoenix. Um, yes, he was actually born in Phoenix, um, and um, and then went back um, and played all of his minor hockey in Finland. So um, there may be an easier adjustment. Um, he has some, some tutoring there uh, might be an yeah, easier adjustment. That's true. Um, he also is, is familiar with Jesper uh, uh, Kotkaniemi. So uh, that mm-hmm. might help his, um, his transition as well. Absolutely. So we wish we wish him the best of luck. Uh, hopefully, the, the the nagging injury that he's got isn't anything too serious that would prohibit him from from getting into the lineup uh, too far away. And and who knows? Uh, 
maybe he'll even get to go on the road trip and and play this week. We don't know yet, so we'll keep you posted on that. One last thing, Rick, before we head to our first break and wrap this segment up. Um, we talked last week about, very briefly, and I, I kind of pitched to people, be sure you listen to the Canadians Connection on Saturday this past this past Saturday to, to hear you and Joe break down uh, the disaster that was the Mark Bergevin end of trade, trade deadline day press conference. Uh, and in the wake of that dumpster fire that was a press conference, um, he sat down and did a lengthy interview with LaPress this week. Uh, and and not only a lengthy, as LaPress even said, this is a very rare uh in-person interview with Mark Bergevin flanked by one of his top legal counsel and, and his, and his PR guy. Um, Can you explain? And there were some very interesting things that of course got laid out so precisely in this interview. Uh, Can you give us the, the, the synopsis of, why that interview was necessary, and what's the, what's the basic message that came out of it? Yeah, um, it, it by all uh, measures, his performance on the trade deadline day, uh, his presser, it was um, it was inconsistent. It was contradictory. It was incoherent in some places. Um, so there was there was very definitely a concerted effort to. Um, find a friendly media source, find a friendly um, interviewer, journalist, and and set something up. And to make sure there wasn't any other um, mistakes um, and to ensure that, that only the questions that were pre-approved um, were asked um, and prepared for, he was, he was uh, uh, joined by, uh, as you said, his, his uh, VP of Finance, which is John Sedgwick. We talked about John Sedgwick and, and his involvement with the um, ECHL, the potential ECHL um, affiliate in Trois-Rivières, and and that, well, we'll get into that later. Um, but also Paul Wilson, who's more recently been given um, increased responsibility uh, for communications. So um, that that's all. Um, there's a reason for that. That was all very telling. Um, I think how it relates to uh, Laval is um, that Mark Bergevin was um, quite um, blunt in his appraisal of of Cole Caulfield. And, uh, you know, many Canadian Mm -hmm. fans were kind of expecting him. Cole Caulfield, um, to to even the casual the fan walking up to him, he told everybody who was listening that he was going to join. His goal was to join Montreal at the end of the season. That's um, right. And with them being on a path to miss the playoffs, it it would have been an ideal time. But you and I know that that uh, wasn't the right. Um, uh, that wouldn't have been the right decision. We've been saying since we no. saw him in November that. He, he wasn't even close to being ready. Um, yes, he's a shooter. Yes, he scores goals. Yes, he can stand in place and, and be your power play uh, trigger man. But um, there's so much missing uh, from his game. Um, and uh, he would have a tough time, a real tough time. It would be an impossible time 
at uh, the NHL level and a difficult time even in Lavelle at the pro level. So mm-hmm. um, uh, Mark Bergevin said uh, bluntly that, that Caulfield isn't ready um, and said, listen, if he wants to leave college, um, we're, we're not going to uh, force him to stay there. But our recommendation to him is that he um, should remain for another year. And that's that's what I've been saying uh, for months mm-hmm. now, um, which um, I, I got a lot of pushback on that. And, and Habsans don't want to hear it. But for a prospect, no. that was the right decision. For Cole Caulfield, that is the, the right decision. Um, and Bergevin added that, um, you know, um, next season in Laval isn't the place for Caulfield either. Uh, and he added, it's a league of men and, and Caulfield just isn't ready for that. Right. And if Caulfield and his agent are smart, uh, they'll follow the general manager's recommendations. Um, I, I would hope even if Caulfield is chomping at the bit and, being young, if he doesn't like hearing this recommendation, I would hope that at least his agent would get him in the line and say, look, don't, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Uh, if the GM is telling you you're better off here another year, just do it and, and keep improving. Um, so we'll see with nothing set in, in stone in yet. In addition, in addition to those, uh, to the advice he's getting, I think Tony Granato would, his current coach yes. in Wisconsin yes. uh, would agree with that assessment as well. And Tony Granada knows um, what it takes to be an NHL or and, and he said to, to us, he talked to us about the kinds of things that um, Cole needs to do to improve and, and improve mm-hmm. um, his engagement in all areas of the ice. Um, and, you know, that it was a, a work in progress while well, it's not there sufficiently um, he hasn't learned that those aspects of the game to be able to take the next step up. Absolutely. So we'll keep, we'll keep our eyes open on it. But uh, you know, if you were hoping that Cole Caulfield was going to come in and, and be the savior for the Habs next year, or even for Laval, um, it's looking less likely that that's going to happen. Um, bad for fans, good for prospect development. And we're just all about that prospect development thing here. So we will uh, we'll see how all of that unfolds. What we're going to do right now is take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to go around the AHL. We've got some news from around the league that you won't want to miss. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained and connected learn more about rsm its team and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com for all the latest news interviews analysis and commentary about the laval rocket lehigh valley phantoms and every other team in the american hockey league as well as information on prospects junior hockey and international hockey head over to ahl.report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, ahl.report. 
Welcome back to From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Uh, You can find the AHL Report at the AHL Report on Twitter. Uh, If you're a Flyers fan or a Lehigh Valley Phantoms fan, you'll also want to follow us at the Flyers Report. Uh, It's a great place to get all of your Flyers news from our team here at Rocket Sports Media. But be sure you're following at the AHL Report. That'll get you all of our latest news, our live game uh, tweets and updates, our recaps and so forth. It's a great resource and a great way to connect with us all week long, not just when you're listening to From the Press Box. Uh, And, of course, be sure whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to us on, just – Take a, take a look at your screen, computer screen, mobile device, wherever you're listening, and just make sure that you like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, won't you be so kind as to just leave us a quick little five-star rating? That'd be fabulous. It helps us to get discovered by other hockey fans around the world, and we want to make our message go as far and wide as we can. Uh, In this segment, we're going to go around the AHL, Rick, and of course, we have to start with the CCM AHL Player of the Week, and I do believe that we were just talking about the Charlotte Checkers a moment ago uh, with Keith Kincaid, and that happens to be exactly where this week's CCM AHL Player of the Week comes from. It is forward Morgan Geeky. Uh, Geeky has four goals seven points in four road games last week for the checkers. Uh, They are, they they were in Lehigh Valley for uh, for a couple of games last week and uh, they're, they're clinging to playoff hopes. They're kind of right in the middle of the pack. And uh, Mr. Geeky had, uh, had a good week for them last week on the road uh, to help them uh, keep, keep steady right there in the middle of the Atlantic division. Looking at February, we did say it's March now. That means that the American Hockey League has announced award winners for the month of February. Uh, No surprise here on the player of the month that would be from the Belleville Senators, Mr. Josh Norris. Uh, Josh Norris has had, in nine games played in the month of February, he had seven goals and nine assists. Uh, He's just been absolutely uh, phenomenal for Belleville uh, this month, all season for that matter. Belleville is sitting at the top of the North Division, deservedly so. Uh, players like Josh Norris have been instrumental in getting them there, uh, and so he gets the recognition as the player of the month. The goaltender of the month, again, this is a great uh, from the Iowa Wild, Kapo Kakinen, uh, has gone 8-1-0 in the month of February with a 1.22 goals against average and a 9.59 save percentage. Oh, and I should mention four shutouts as well. Wow. Rick, you were, you were a goaltender. Are, are, those, are those good numbers? <laughs> those are great numbers. Um, he had an unreal month. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, Josh Norris um, uh, just want to echo what you said about him we've we've watched him he's he's uh he's having quite a a a rookie campaign for um the belleville senators and it came in the same month that he had his first call up to um to ottawa and one of those games against um the montreal canadians and josh norrison has been terrific and and even um you know a bit more of a goal scorer than he showed in uh, NCAA hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he's he's been uh, terrific with 30 goals already this season um, for Belleville. Absolutely. Uh, and to round that out, of course, there is the rookie of the month who happens to be the same guy who was the player of the week last last week for the league. And that is Max Comtois from the San Diego goals uh, in 13 games played in the month of February, eight goals and five assists uh, for 13 points during the month of those eight goals, four of them, half of them were game winners. Uh, and as we mentioned, when we spoke about him last week, you know, San Diego has, has really come up through the, through the division this season and they're holding on to a playoff position uh, and, and Comtois performance has certainly helped them get there. So uh, congratulations to him. That's two weeks in a row that he gets a little bit of recognition. <laughs> Uh, we do want to mention, I know this is something that we spoke about uh, more at length uh, with our special guest, Patrick Williams, a few weeks ago uh, when he returned from the, the State of the League address with Dave Andrews. And we t- spoke about the fact uh, that the San Antonio Rampage uh, basically had been purchased by uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Vegas was looking to move the team Uh, to Las Vegas and have their AHL affiliate be just down the road uh, from their NHL club. Uh, And now the league has made that official. The board of governors did approve the transfer of ownership of the San Antonio Rampage uh, franchise to the Vegas Golden Knights. And they also approved the relocation from San Antonio, Texas to Henderson, Las Vegas, Nevada. And that is effective this coming season. So in the fall, that happens immediately. Uh, we, we did talk a little bit about how that's an unfortunate immediate impact on San Antonio, Texas, as far as uh, city economy, jobs lost, uh, and, and a fan base suddenly being without a team that they have been loyal to for years and years and years. Um, but on the Vegas side of it, they're very looking, very much looking forward to having uh, an AHL affiliate just down the road from them. Um, they'll play at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas next season. And the one other thing we did want to mention, uh, Rick, you know, we talked about how it just see I feel like I feel like there's been a lot of scary um medical instances between players, coaches, staff members in the NHL and the AHL this year. I feel like I feel like it's happening. I don't I don't know. It maybe it's just me, but it feels like it's happening more this year than ever and and thankfully uh medical staff around both leagues has been tremendous. Um scary moment for Hershey Bear fans uh Last week, uh, last Thursday, um, Kale Kessie, Hershey Bears forward Kale Kessie, uh, was in a fight. And during the fight, he got uh, he got completely knocked out. He was knocked unconscious um, and was pretty serious. I mean, the, 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 the scene inside the Giant Center, uh, you saw pictures and video, and I mean, it was it was scary for the for the players on the ice, for the fans, for the for the uh, the bench, and so forth. He did regain consciousness, uh, but he was stretchered off and taken to Milton S. Hershey Medical Center, uh, kept overnight for observation, and then discharged the following morning. Um, but again, you know, Kale Kessie came out with a statement the next day, 
and from for all intents and purposes and from all reporting coming out of Hershey that it was it was the quick reaction of the paramedics and the medical staff uh, in the building that really kept Kale Kessie safe and and made sure that that he was that he was okay. So um, scary moments for Hershey, but it seems that Kale Kessie is going to be okay. Um, and we should just always give recognition to those first responders and, and particularly the, the paramedics and, and medical staff. Uh, they do uh, they do tremendous work and they have to think in an instant under the most intensely high pressured situations. With um, a lot of people, a lot of eyes on them uh, while they're doing their jobs. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's a, it's a very difficult situation for them. Uh, they reacted calmly and quickly and, and, uh, it looks like um, Cassie is going to be okay. He's out for now, uh, according to Zach Fish, um, with an upper body 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 injury and and um, no timeline for him to return. But um, um, that's better than than it looked uh, when the the situation was unfolding. Absolutely, absolutely. So glad uh, glad he's okay and a speedy recovery to him as well. Uh, we are going to take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to go beyond the AHL. We're going to talk a little NCAA and a little ECHL on the other side of this break. So don't go anywhere. You do not want to miss it. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel, at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back once again to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson. I'm joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And hey, make sure that you are following us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you all throughout the week uh, with your questions, your comments, your feedback, you name it. It's also a great place for you to get all of our news and updates and resources. So be sure you're following us at the AHL Report. Also, whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to us on, make sure you're subscribed to Rocket Sports Radio and from the Press Box. Make sure you uh, sign up for notifications so that you know when you have uh, new material for you, uh, new content from our team and also if you could be so kind to rate and review our podcast we would appreciate that as well only takes you a second and it does so much good uh rick this segment is where we go beyond beyond the ahl and i first want to switch gears to ncaa hockey because things are really getting exciting i mean 
NCAA hockey is pretty exciting all year long, but now is kind of a crucial juncture for, for NCAA hockey. Regular season is just winding up uh, and teams are going to start competing in, in their conference tournaments to determine winners and so forth. But all of that is, is running kind of, running right up to the Frozen Four tournament, which happens in a month. Uh, it's the first week in April. Um, and so before that, the mid, uh, the, the regionals, the quarterfinals will take place. Um, and as, as we've done the last couple of years, we'll be uh, happy to provide live coverage of the Midwest regional again this year for the third consecutive year. Um, wanted to mention uh, Penn State happens to be hosting the Midwest regional again uh, at in Allentown at the PPL Center where the Lehigh Valley Phantoms play. Penn State won the Big Ten Conference. They are the champions of the Big Ten Conference, so congratulations to them. Uh, I do believe with the way that the system works that um, team host teams for the regional tournaments, if they win their conference, they automatically get to play um, – at the regional that they're hosting. So that should mean that we should be uh, seeing Penn state in Allentown at uh, the end of the month, but wanted to just uh, also briefly bring attention to a feature that we put out here at rocket sports media last week. If you head over to our YouTube page or just go to ahlreport.com and Rick, there's a, a feature there about Penn state hockey. You know, we, how often do you hear people talk about, you know, well, what's the big deal about NCAA hockey, particularly for, you know, Canadians are very familiar with junior hockey and how intense that is and how popular that is. Um, And college hockey is kind of catching up. Um, But perhaps not everyone understands what the big deal is about about college hockey or what's the caliber of hockey that comes out of college hockey. And so when we were, we, you mentioned that we were in Penn state in November to, uh, to interview Tony Granado and Cole Caulfield when Wisconsin was there to play and, and scout Caulfield. Um, but we also took some time to speak to Penn state head coach Guy Gadowski and have him talk to us about the importance of college hockey uh, the level of competition, the level of athlete that it takes, uh, how it prepares them to play in the NHL um, in ways that perhaps other leagues can't do. Um, but more importantly, to talk about what the environment and the atmosphere is like inside the building of an NCAA hockey rink uh, and and the student passion and the student section and the fans that travel from hours and hours around um, I don't know about you, but I thought it was a it was a tremendous experience that we wanted to share with our fans. Um, NCAA hockey is uh, is a unique animal. Uh, uh, it's it's different from junior hockey. It's it's uh, it has some characteristics uh, uh, all to itself, and certainly being affiliated with um, with colleges and universities, there's a whole student side that um, is is offers a. A, a, a very different um, in arena experience. And it was, you know, I've, I've, I've followed uh, NCAA hockey um, casually, um, you know, my, my whole hockey cr- career, but um, it was only, I guess it was six years ago um, when we covered the uh, frozen four um, championship at Wells Fargo. That was my first um 
in arena kind of uh, championship uh, experience and exposure to the NCAA. And I was just blown away. So we've been doing our best to ramp up our coverage of that level of hockey. And, and for those that haven't had that experience, we wanted to um, um, use the opportunity to, to, that we were scouting uh, and wanting to speak and interview Cole Caulfield when um, Wisconsin was in Pennsylvania um, but also um, take the time to really feature and, and give a sense of what that type of hockey was all about. And we've seen from the past, the drafts over the past few years, uh, the caliber of players is, is excellent. It's scouted heavily. Uh, and, um, and there are lots of players who are, are making that jump from NCAA to the pro level. Um, it's, it's a, an excellent, excellent um, brand of hockey. And I have to say, uh, Coach Guy Godowski has has been with the Penn State program since its inception as a as a Division One varsity sport. Um, probably one of the best coach interviews that we've done in our decade of of hockey uh, coverage. Uh, very well spoken, very down to earth, very passionate about college hockey and Penn State in particular. Um, just just a joy to talk to. Um, so. With that being said, in a former life, I used to be a, a television producer. So I've put together a, a feature-length video essay giving you an inside look at what it's like to attend an NCAA hockey game at Penn State. So I invite you to head over to AHLReport.com. Take a few minutes to watch it. It's, it's, um, it's not something you'll see. It's not something like anything else you'll see on other hockey sites, particularly around uh, Philadelphia and Montreal. Uh, it's something a little bit different, just a, a, an additional way that we can bring you some out-of-the-box hockey coverage here at Rocket Sports Media and uh, share it with your friends. It's a, it's a pretty fun piece. Uh, with that being said, let's switch gears to the ECHL. I feel like we should have like Trois Rivières music at this point that just automatically plays <laughs> when there's new news because it's it's like hey here we are we're back Trois Rivières Rick we'll is just here. play the the Young and the Restless theme um, <laughs> that's right <laughs> pretty much uh, Rick is here to give us this week's Trois Rivières ECHL update hey Rick what do you have for us in the news about this everlasting saga this week well i you know i'm only half joking because it really has been a soap opera it's been it on has. it's been off it's been there's there's the players uh the the the, the people involved there's been people who change sides um you know <laughs> um it's it's been it's been unbelievable and the the headlines this past week um i thought were fascinating because they all said cohabitation and of course that's kind of the relationship default in Quebec. So it was, um, and it's, it's, it's not the, the perfect, um, marriage, uh, let's say, um, because you have, um, two, it's going to the, the, the brand new facility, the brand new Coliseum in Trois-Rivières that, that is going to be finished by the end. Well, it's, if it's on track, it's supposed to be finished by the end of March. Um, and uh, this, this, it, it looks like it's best that um, 
you'll have two organizations who kind of tolerate each other, I guess is the best way of putting it. Uh, A university team, the Patriots uh, backed by Cirque du Soleil, they wanted it all to themselves, but, but they just don't have the fan base to uh, support being in a uh, 45 or or the number of games to support being in a Mm -hmm. 4,500 seat facility uh, full time. Um, And it looks like the, the Dean McDonald, uh, the, the, um, the Growlers, Newfoundland Growlers owner, along with his new sidekick, um, uh, former Canadian Marc-Andre Bergeron, he's the one who switched mm. sides. Um, they apparently made a very convincing pitch uh, to Trois-Rivières Council, and uh, it looks, nothing's been announced, nothing's formal, but it looks the way, it looks like cohabitation is uh, the way it's going to uh, progress and that would be for this fall as long as as uh, the ECHL approves and as long as still the the um, elephant in the room is is whether the Canadians are involved or not involved it's kind of yes they're involved but we can't talk about it kind of situation <laughs> of course um, <laughs> and um, so all of that yet has to be worked out as well uh, the whole arena was designed and built for one tenant um, mm. so there may, even though it's brand new, it may have to be finished. There still might have to be a million dollars in renovations, uh, that happened over the summer. Uh, and somebody's going to have to pay for that because the city has said they will not. Um, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's more around, um, extra locker rooms and training rooms and a gym and, and mm-hmm. a physio physiotherapy room and, and, uh, have separate facilities for the two teams. So, um, unless they're going to cohabitate there too, which seems unlikely at this point. So, yeah, yeah, this is all. Um, it, it hasn't been, um, you know. Uh, don't follow this plan if you're 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 wanting to um, um, grab a, an affiliate for the ECHL or you're wanting no. to find tenants for a new arena. Nothing has been textbook about this, but it looks like. Um, as you said, cohabitation is going to be the uh, the final word in uh, Trois Rivieres uh, for their arena and for the Canadian ZCHL affiliate. Well, we certainly hope they can make it happen. There has been we've been we've been beating that drum for a couple of years. You know, the Habs they need to have an ECHL affiliate. Um, it's just it's just it, it's unproductive to not have one. It's just you're shooting yourself in the foot if you don't have prospects at the ECHI level that you are priming and getting ready for call-ups when they happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so uh, this is something that definitely needs to take place for the Canadians. Let's hope that they can get all of the T's crossed and the I's dotted and get everything done so that perhaps by this fall uh, there can be some um, a, a solid ECHL foundation to start building things off of and and let's put uh there's apparently some nonsense out this past week about coming from uh someone who pays uh, attention to the laval part-time um as a broadcaster Mm. and and uh barely pays attention to laval certainly doesn't pay attention to how echl franchises work uh affiliates work uh and said that uh, an echl um affiliate uh, is meaningless and pointless. And um, that's just, you know why you've been listening to us 
Um, it's silly talk and uh, coming from someone that really doesn't understand how an AHL team works, how the, the various organizations or the various affiliates work within an organization. The, we've explained the, you know, the, the double A and triple A concept. And, and uh, um, so, yeah, just, just that nonsense to, uh, to bed because it's, it's not worth listening to. Absolutely not. And we're glad that you come here and visit with us every Tuesday to get all of your AHL, ECHL prospect, NCAA draft prospect news. Uh, We are passionate about bringing you that kind of information, uh, talking about development and, and talking about prospects. And so we appreciate you coming each and every week. And Rick, I think this was another great show. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining me today. Thrilled to be here um, on this national um, pay it forward soup day and, <laughs> and bring me some borscht. If somebody wants to bring me some borscht, oh. that, that would do just, just nicely. I think. I'll take cheddar broccoli, cheddar broccoli <laughs> soups, French onion. Nice. Fr- no, 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 no. I, that's right. I said, I didn't want anybody else making. No, Sorry. I don't hey, you know what asked. happened when we talked about food last weekend? And a shout out to Mike, who was right there. Oh, that's Mike, right. Uh, one of our regular listeners. Um, Mike, what a great job. Heard us talking about um, Fosnots and Punchkis, and he was on, on the road uh, <laughs> to his local bakery, picked up a couple of boxes of Punchkis, tweeted them, and... Um, uh, and we really appreciate we really appreciate we the feedback, but especially uh, that was that was really well done. Thanks, Mike. You know that we're having a positive impact in the hockey community when we're inspiring listeners to get right out there and just buy up all the packages of fried jelly filled dough that they possibly can. <laughs> that's that's success right there. <laughs> and they looked delicious, I should say. Quite a um, delicious accompaniment to listening to um, our podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and Rick, if you could, before we go, if you could just, we've, we've mentioned a couple of times now um, throughout the show that regardless of how folks are listening, we encourage them to subscribe to the podcast, uh, like the podcast, rate and review the podcast, all of those fun things. But how, what is the easiest way for people to find this podcast and um Canadians Connection, which is which is our other offering here at Rocket Sports Radio. Um, for from the press box, uh, you can go to ahl.report, and in addition to getting the podcast there, you can find the recaps of every single game uh, that Laval Rocket play. You also get um, G's Rocket Notepad, where he talks about what's happened in the, in the previous week or two. Um, but if you're listening on the road and you, you have a favorite app, uh, whether it's uh, uh, Google play or stitcher or uh, Apple play or Apple podcasts or any of them, um, just search for rocket sports radio, rocket sports radio, find that, uh, find our podcast, um, subscribe to our podcast and you'll get both the Canadians connection. Uh, that's with uh, uh Joe and I every Saturday afternoon where we focus on the Montreal Canadiens or this podcast from the press box. Um, and, um, and, and please subscribe to it. It's, uh, it's something we put a lot of work into uh, uh, all of our content. Um, these, these podcasts are, are produced and, and uh, hosted by credential hockey journalists. So for the last 10 years, uh, we are the source that you can trust. 
Absolutely. And we're so glad you join us every week. We look forward to it. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next Tuesday. That would be March 10th for another great episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Enjoy your week. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. And uh, we'll be back to talk about more hockey next week. And keep on.